whoever is listening, guys, welcome back. My name is Grayson Mann, and welcome to part six or episode 132 of the Man with a Plan podcast. We are here with Marcus Benjamin who's from CanesCounty.com working for Rivals. We're continuing this series. We just dropped on Wednesday our NC State Rivals preview, and we're going to keep things rolling. So, Marcus, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Doing well, doing well. Thanks, Grayson. Thanks, thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. It's super exciting to cover a program like Miami. There's a lot of history, and I'm sure we'll get into it today. And so just to start, can you just basically give us a little bit of a summation of what you do on a day-to-day day basis with rivals, whether that's in season or what you're up to right now? Sure. I'm the publisher for canescounty.com. So every piece of content uh, that's on that particular site kind of goes through me. Um, I, I do some writing, uh, video content as well. I've got a podcast as well on my YouTube channel called livefromcanescounty.com. And it's called the Storm Tracker Podcast. I did one earlier today about our new commit, Shia Trader, five-star receiver locally here, committed committing to the Hurricanes last night, did that with our Southeastern analyst, John Garcia. So uh, that, that in a nutshell is kind of what I do. Yeah, it's awesome stuff. And I'm sure we'll get into the recruiting information in a bit here. So let's backtrack to 2022 for Miami, a team I felt with Cristobal had a lot of energy and attention towards them. And they failed to win six games. A lot I felt went wrong, whether that is philosophy, injuries, by Dykes, injuries. What for you going to these games on a consistent basis, what was it for Miami 2022 that went wrong with Cristobal in year one? Well, Grayson, it was a number of things. Uh, I mean, <laughs> first off, it it uh, was a transition year. It was a tough one for Mario Cristobal. And he, he started his tenure at the tail end of the uh, 2021 season. So he got a late jump on recruiting, of course, and accumulating a, a coaching staff. And I think he brought in some guys, some veteran guys like Kevin Steele at DC and, and Charlie Strong at linebackers coach. These are veteran guys that have kind of been here for a while. And I think he just needed some plug-in type of guys that can, you know, stop, uh, try to stop the bleeding uh, of this program. And he did bring an offensive coordinator in Josh Gaddis, who did, did a tremendous job at Michigan, but Michigan, an established program, as far as recruiting is concerned, they kind of built up their roster to a level where they can run a more of a simplistic type of offense. Miami's roster wasn't that and it was basically uh, a roster that was one of the worst in maybe the last 15 years and they tried to you know go with with the staff that they had and the players that they had into the season and then they got bit by the injury bug and probably at the worst positions at quarterback their number one receiver and Xavier Strepo went down several guys on the offensive line went down including their projected number one draft pick um or first round draft pick i should say zion nelson um so they were forced to play a lot of young guys on this offensive line and that battle of attrition was clearly a battle they lost <laughs> and they they just couldn't recover from that and 
not only did their starting quarterback go down in Tyler Van Dyke, but their backup went down as well. So they had to go through a third string, true freshman, um, an outstanding talent in Jakari Brown, but obviously just not ready for big time college football as of yet. And they did have some bright spots. Of course, Cameron Kitchens, uh, the first All-American in some years, and uh, they had decent uh, performances put together by Akeem Mesidor and Leonard Taylor, who is projected to go in possibly the first round of this upcoming NFL draft. So in a nutshell, yeah, man, that that's that, that was basically what went wrong for the Hurricanes, just a coaching staff that was kind of put together, uh, just that change in culture wasn't really adapted well by the players that were on in the program and as a result a lot of players transferred out and coming up on this next season they have 37 new players a bunch of new coaches again and I think these guys are more guys that fit Mario Cristobal's culture so I, I can only assume that it's only going to go up from here <laughs> Yeah, with the new transition and a lot of turnover, like you've mentioned, what has it been like in the spring football for Miami with the spring game and just kind of, like you said, everything that could have potentially gone wrong in 2022 went wrong. Is there a almost like a fresh start perspective from Cristobal and then everyone under him? Is that more of what I make make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It definitely is a fresh start. You, you got a full year now under your belt um, uh, as far as the Cristobal era is concerned. And yeah, the spring, the, there's always positive vibes in the spring. I mean, I think there across the country, every program has positive vibes. There's 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 high hopes <laughs> as as a you know a kid song used to used to sing i mean it's 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 positive of course but as many saw during the spring that they haven't yet recovered from a lot of these injuries and there are a lot of guys that didn't play in that spring game that fully intend to at least compete for for starting jobs uh, in this 2023 season, uh, Javion Cohen, the transfer from Alabama, didn't play in the spring game because he got nicked up just before the spring game. Uh, Jafari Harvey, who's a, a player uh, defensive end that is considered to be a draft eligible, eligible guy going into the 2023 draft, didn't play due to injury. Leonard Taylor, who I alluded to, didn't play due to injury. Uh, James Williams, uh, one of the uh, one of the rare five star players that are actually on this roster, didn't play during the spring game. So there were just a number of players out. So you didn't really get to see the revitalized depth of of this football uh, program. But I, I think in the fall you'll you'll get to see that. Yeah, and I think it starts at the top with Mario Cristobal, who's had a lot of success at Oregon, and I think he was brought down to really revamp a culture in a, in a program that is really excited about getting back to that history. The U, there's a lot of, there's decades of dominance within this program. For Cristobal, sure. something that I picked up on immediately is that there's, he's had a lot of successes, at least this year, with recruiting. How will this new talent help revitalize this program, and what has he done, in your eyes, that's impressed you so far? Well, his recruiting classes have been outstanding. I, I think 
Cristobal has that reputation of, of being an outstanding recruiter. If you go way back to his days at Alabama, he, he did a, a tremendous job there as an offensive line coach recruiting guys. And he also recruited very well as a, as a head coach at, at Oregon. And that has definitely translated down here in South Florida at Miami for him to start out first off to, to, to flip a, a Jaleel Skinner from Alabama um, out of the gate and a Nigel Lee Kelly uh, defensive end. Uh, I, I'm very, um I'm very close to the high school football community down here in South Florida. And to me, he was the best defensive end in South in, in, in Florida. And Cristobal was able to get him to commit to Miami. Um, he was actually thinking about going to Oregon while he was, while Chris Ball was there in Oregon. So that was a plus. And then once he, you know, that 2023 class, a top 10 class, you know, which is, which is pretty impressive. Uh, the fact that he was able to, to put that, to put that together two five stars added, added to this team in Francisco Francis, I'm sorry, not his brother, <laughs> Francis Malanoa, who um, is out of a IMG Academy. Uh, I confuse him with his brother, Francisco Malanoa, who is also on the team, but he came via transfer from Washington State. I expect him to be a starter. And uh, of course, Samson Oakland Lola is, is the other five star that he brought in. And for I have to commend him for bringing in top talent from South Florida because time and time again or year after year, the best programs around the country come to South Florida and pluck guys from South Florida. And uh, you, you've seen it with Alabama and you've seen it with Ohio State. Uh, you, you've seen it with you know places like Georgia as well, James Cook is an example of that. Jerry Judy is an example of that. Uh, Amari Cooper is, is another one. I could go on and on of, of all the great players that are down here in South Florida that end up going to other big name programs. So he was able to, to keep a Reuben Bain, a Reuben Bain who was the sack leader of the entire country down here at Miami Central in high school. You're able to keep a guy like him. You're able to flip a guy like Mark Mark Fletcher, running back that was on his way to Columbus to be a Buckeye, and he decided to stay home uh, to Miami. And you're able to flip a a Ray Ray Joseph, Nathaniel Joseph, who was committed to Clemson, one of the fastest players in the entire country, is is now a Miami Hurricane. So definitely his recruiting prowess is outstanding uh, i've already mentioned that uh they've added their first five star for this 2024 class and that class is is steadily in, in increasing in talent right now they're 17th in the nation when it comes to uh their recruiting class right behind clemson um at 16 so uh, definitely, definitely recruiting is standing out for Cristobal. And I, like I said before, I think he's got the right guys now when it comes to coaches are concerned that can really elevate, elevate this team, uh, as far as wins are concerned. Yeah. I think for this recruiting class, the impact will be able to begin to see that very soon. Once you start to accumulate 
It's not just getting one five-star every recruiting cycle. It's getting multiple. It's getting a lot of high-value players because we've seen Miami in the past. 2017 comes to mind, 2020, where they've been able to string together successful seasons. 2017, they were able to find themselves in the CFP rankings for a lot for a consistent string of weeks. For this Miami program in Cristobal, how immediate do you expect those results to start really showing up on the field? Uh, that that's a golden question right there. I mean, um, uh, Hurricanes fans maybe ask that every other every other week. Uh, when are we going to get back to the glory days? Because a lot of the times the, these fans are living in those glory days and that one year in 2017 when they were in the college football playoff conversation. I expect this team to improve from five and seven. I mean, five and seven is pretty bad, especially for Miami standards. I mean, they've had, um, I they've had I think two or three five five win seasons since the seventies. So, uh, I think um, the the only direction to go is up, and I think this this year it it's it's going to be maybe an eight eight win season. Uh, for the Hurricanes, but I think they can be as high as 11. And the reason why I say that, I know that's a high number, but the reason why I say that is because I kind of went into uh, teams that had big turnarounds in one year. And with the transfer portal, you can do that. And Miami has several players, high-level players that they've uh, acquired via the transfer portal that will make a significant impact. I already mentioned Francisco Maunoa. Devontae Brown is a cornerback from UCF that is projected to be a starter. I already talked about Javion Cohen from Alabama, projected to be a starter. Matt Lee is, is, is trending toward like a top five center in the entire country transfer from UCF projected to obviously be a starter and uh they they've acquired some other guys as uh, like an Ajay Allen uh, at running back they've acquired uh, Tyler Harrell uh wide receiver from uh Louisville uh and they they've gotten uh Juco transfer Shamar Kirk at wide receiver uh there's just so many guys that they've got uh, via the transfer portal. And if you look back at last year, USC did the exact same thing. The year before they were five and seven, and then they got 11 wins out of nowhere because of a bunch of great transfers that they got into the program. Now, I, I will say, like I said, that is their ceiling. But do I think they fall like more in an eight to nine, seven to nine win range? Yes, I think that's kind of where they fall. I think the following year, I think, is going to really be a year that they actually are legitimately, you, you can, you can, you know, Canes fans can can put bets in for them winning an ACC title. Let's just say that. I'm not saying that they will, but, you know, there's a good, a better chance that they could do that because they'll have possibly two top 10 classes under their belt. The transfers are, like I said, expected to to make an impact. And some of those transfers are young. Like an Ajay Allen is is young. He's going to be here a while. Jadias Richard, who's from Vanderbilt, cornerback, he's going to be here for a while. 
So you, you got some guys in the pipeline here that will make a significant impact next year. So next year, I think they're, they're going to be more closer to a nine, I would say a nine to 11 range, but this year I'm still sticking to like a seven to nine win range. Okay. And I like the, I like the confidence and just kind of how the writing's on the wall for a Miami team. That's been, I guess not necessarily bottom dwellers, but they've been really floating around this middle ground of the ACC. And there is opportunity because besides Clemson and Florida state this year, there is a wide opening of a team like a Miami that could make that big improvement like sure. USC did, especially in a pack 12 or an ACC where it's not the SEC and you're facing an onslaught of Georgia, Alabama, you, you get the picture Ole Miss like those yeah. every day, you start to face opponents that could boost up those win totals. And I look at Miami's first four games of the schedule, Miami of Ohio and A&M team that I don't believe in. Uh, they play temple just to name a few Georgia yeah. Tech at home, they could yeah. reasonably start 5-0 and and build that confidence up yeah. to uh, potentially get to that range that you mentioned, if not higher. But I think to get to that point, it all starts with quarterback. And with Tyler Van Dyke, he's a guy last year looking at early, early mock drafts, look potentially to be a first-round draft pick, according to many outlets. And like you said, with injuries, it just didn't all come together for him. For this year, what's going to be what, – what should we expect from number nine? Well, it, it's going to be a revitalized offense, first off. I want to say that because Shannon Dawson, by way of Houston, runs the air raid offense, and which is much different from the offense that we saw last year with Josh Gaddis. Now, this is an offense that is very similar to the offense that Van Dyke was commanding in 2021 under Rhett Lashley, who's now with SMU. And during that year, Tyler Van Dyke really made a name for himself. And I, I think it was, I think it was uh, five or six games straight where he had 250 yards passing. Um, it, it was a ridiculous number. Um, sorry, I don't have that exact number, but uh, it, it was comparison. It was compared to Joe Burrow of that year. So he was on par with Joe Burrow who won the Heisman in that, in, in that year. So um or 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 he he won the Heisman in, in in a different year, I believe. I'm not sure. Sometimes these years they uh, they all kind of get jumbled together. But he was being compared to that year of Joe Burr when he won the Heisman. So now he's in an offense that's similar to that this year. So I think that kind of changes things for him, and I, I I expect him to have a huge year, and I I think he's going to pass for three thousand yards easy. And, uh, you know, last year he struggled uh, in an offense where I, I think it caused him to, to think of maybe a little too much. Uh, this is more of a quick read uh, type of offense. And it, it's all about getting guys out there in space. And I think Tyler Van Dyke operates better in that fashion. And um, I, I think he has has the the tools around him when I say tools, especially the offensive line that, that can protect him because the reason why he got injured is because of a miss, missed assignment on a block on a sack and he hurt his shoulder. So I think this offensive line under, under year two, under Cristobal, who, who puts a high emphasis on the offensive line, obviously he was an offensive line coach, former offensive lineman at the university of Miami. 
and he's all about the trenches and he's been putting an emphasis on building the trenches and really protecting the quarterback and establishing a running game because although this isn't going to be an air raid offense it's not going to be just a pass first or a very pass heavy offense they do want to have some balance there so Tyler Van Dyke can can do some play action which he thrives in, in a play action setting and he thrives also in the shotgun as well so I expect Tyler Van Dyke to have a big a big year uh, especially since last year Shannon Dawson who also coached Geno Smith when when he had a ridiculous year at West Virginia. Um, coach Clayton Toon last year, Clayton Toon drafted in the NFL, and he passed for 4,000 yards last season. So I think Van Dyke is actually a better quarterback than Clayton Toon when it comes to his accuracy and, um, you know, just his his arm. So uh, I expect Van Dyke to have a big year for the Hurricanes this season. Yeah, and it should be something really to watch out for in terms of the ACC quarterback play. We're going to have a lot of new different faces. And Tyler Van Dyke's going to be one that fans may not remember because of the in-and-out variety that he had in 2022, but should be a name to watch out for. And so as we transition to our final couple of questions, it really becomes a central theme of this podcast series that we do. So we're going to just start with this for everything that we've laid out so far in this episode with the wind rain that when winds range that you put out for the hurricanes, how does this program that is always trying to balance the history versus the now, how do they define success with this program heading into 2023 and the future beyond? Yeah, I, I think a successful season is an eight win season. Um, I, I think that's eight. Uh, that's definitely achievable. Uh, for for this program, especially coming off a of five and seven season last last year, uh, you, you want to see this program go go in the right direction, and I think eight wins would make this team feel like okay, well, uh, we're, we're headed in the right direction, and I think getting to a bowl game because they failed to get to a bowl game, which is very unlikely, uh, for a Miami Hurricanes program. Um, I think 2007, I, I believe, was the last year that they did not make a bowl game and uh, winning a bowl game is, is kind of the other thing, you know, just I, I would I would define success that, uh, with that just yeah, either uh, getting to eight wins. If they get to eight wins and they don't win a bowl game, I, I, I would deem that as successful if they get to seven wins and then win the bowl game and get to that eighth win. I would deem that as successful. Anything below that, to me, would be an average season uh, because of the talent that you have on this roster because this is a very talented roster. And it's 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 talented in at the back end with Cameron Kitchens, an All-American, like I mentioned. James Williams is the other safety, five-star, who is also projected to go high in the draft. Leonard Taylor on the inside. Anakin Mesidori uh, are projected to go pretty high. Francisco Malagoa has been outstanding as a middle linebacker. And um, you've got legitimate guys on the outside with Nigel Lee Kelly and Jafari Harvey. So that defense, which was actually the strength of this football team last year, especially the pass rush, I think is going to be pretty solid in 2023. And 
the it's all about this offense though and I think with Shannon Dawson now manning the controls and a revitalized Tyler Van Dyke I really think this offense is going to take a step in the right direction and they now have the depth to withstand any injuries because we all know uh, as football watchers that football is a game of attrition and you're going to have injuries that's just it just comes with the game and I think they have the depth now to withstand those type of injuries uh, but the one injury that they can't have again is the one to tell Van Dyke I, I think you know if, if if he goes down for a significant time then this this team could possibly miss a bowl again you know just it's it's that critical uh for for this football team they could be hovering hovering around six wins if if he goes down early and if he is out for a significant amount of time but um but yeah i i think um a, a successful season is definitely eight wins with a bowl win Okay, eight wins with a bowl victory headed for the 2023 Miami Hurricanes. And now we get to get your thoughts on the Clemson Tigers. I've asked every single writer that we've welcomed on in this series. Clemson football, the last two seasons, they've lost six games in the last six games in two seasons from 2015 to 2020, just combined seven losses with four of those coming in the postseason. It's been an interesting couple of years for the football program. Dabo Sweeney instantly recognizes some of that stuff. Fires Brandon Streeter, the first-time offensive coordinator, hires Garrett Riley. There's a revamped sense of excitement for this program. But we've had some interesting perspectives about where this program is headed. Are they the same Clemson, or could they get back to being that same team that won two national championships, made playoff appearances, almost like they weren't breaking a sweat in certain years with Trevor Lawrence? To you, Marcus, where is this Clemson program headed? Where, where have you witnessed, What have you observed in these last two seasons? Yeah, I think last season was kind of an anomaly. Uh, I, I think, uh, I mean, you can help me with his last name, but DJ Uyunglele. I'll, I'll let you say uh, <laughs> DJ. Let's just say DJ, right? Uh, he he um, regressed, I, I think, as a quarterback. And this is a guy that I've been actually watching since high school, ever since I saw him on QB1. I don't know if you ever watched that yeah. show. Netflix but I was just like okay well this guy had really has the tools ever since then I kind of looked at his tape and I kind of see it saw you know what he could be and uh I was you know excited to see what what he can do and and it seemed like his confidence was 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 rattled a little bit last season when when he got into some trouble and I think uh there 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 was a lot of rumblings of 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 starting uh the young Kate Klubnik uh, as the starter, and I, I think that just kind of warm out, um, you know. And I, I'm I'm interested to see what Klubnik does this season. And uh, I I saw his tape as well, and, and I was impressed by it. And I think much like Miami, they're going to be revitalized offensively, and I don't think they're really going to miss a beat too much because they still have been recruiting with the top programs in the country for the past couple of years. They have lost some key guys, especially on the defensive side of the ball from, from last season. But I think they're going to be 
Clemson is the class of the ACC. I mean, Florida State is definitely going to be going to contend. They have more returning starters or or, or experience uh, than than both Miami and Clemson. They're they're pretty much the the number one team when it comes to returning experience to the ACC. So I think Florida State is definitely going to challenge Clemson uh this season for for the ACC title uh but um I think it's 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 pretty much Clemson's conference to lose uh until like a Florida State will knock them off and and like you kind of alluded to earlier the the, the conference is kind of weak going into this year um Wake Forest uh they'll be kind of retooling themselves with a new quarterback so will Louisville uh, they'll have a, a new quarterback um, under center and a bunch of other teams that kind of are middle of the road teams. Well, let's be honest. Uh, I think that third team could possibly be Duke because I, I like uh, quarterback Riley Leonard a, a lot. I think he's outstanding. Uh, he made Miami look foolish last season. <laughs> so I think he's going to, you know, make some noise as well. And then after, after Florida state, and Duke, then it then it's Miami. You know, I think that's that's kind of the pecking order in my in my eyes. Uh, um, and, and then it's you know I think actually Miami's in the middle with all of these other teams. That they're there with Pittsburgh. They're there with uh, Wake Forest. Uh, they're there with you know. Uh, I think that's about it because then you go into another tier of ACC teams where it's kind of kind of bad you know <laughs> it's it's not it's not all that great uh georgia tech virginia tech georgia georgia tech uh uh virginia um these teams are rebuilding and uh i don't i don't see them i i personally don't see them being able to compete uh with miami nc state is a team i should definitely mention uh nc state i think is a team that is is hovering there, hovering up there with with a Duke or or a Miami, um, but uh, they're they're doing some rebuilding uh, themselves as well. So I think Clemson is still still the class of of the ACC. Um, but if I had to say that there's a favorite, I would say it's Florida State just based on experience. But I definitely do like the addition of um, of Riley at, at the uh, offensive coordinator position uh to really uh make some noise and hopefully they'll make some noise and hopefully miami can do some as well guys this was marcus benjamin working for the miami rival site canes it's canes county go check him out i'll link his podcast in the description so you guys can go subscribe and show them some love as well this was part six of our clemson football preview series with part seven and eight featuring notre dame and georgia tech dropping next week super excited about that guys thank you thank you as always and let's try to get to 21,000 listeners by the end of the week. Thank you so much for all the support. Have a great day and take care. 